Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. As you know, I am Dr. Brian Greenwood, and I am super excited to be here today with a 2010 graduate of our program, Leah Parsons Vescovi. How are you, Leah? Good. Thank you. Long time no see. <laughs> I know. It's so exciting to see you and, um, and uh, to be here with you today. Um, you know, I, I want to eventually get to your current position. So Leah is currently the Global Inclusion and Diversity Manager at VF Corporation. Um, and uh, Leah is going to tell us all about uh, VF Corporation and what uh, what uh, they do. Um, but I want to go back in time and, and let our listeners connect with you in, in terms of your upbringing and, and how you got to your current position. So tell us, where, where did you grow up, Leah? Yeah, I actually grew up on the Central Coast. So I was up in the Salinas, Monterey area, about two hours away from Cal Poly. So just far enough, but not too close. <laughs> right. Far enough where you knew all about Cal Poly, I guess, growing up, right? Yeah. I bet. So what, what was it like growing up there in the Monterey Salinas area? Beautiful, beautiful area yeah. out there. I, I just mean, love it. Beautiful. It was such a pretty place. It's funny. I didn't realize, I think, until I moved away, how lucky I really was to live in such a beautiful place and have so many great things right out our back door. Right. Uh, but Salinas is a pretty heavily ag community. Uh, my family wasn't in ag, but a lot of family friends were in agriculture. So it was really interesting to kind of experience through them what the ag industry was like. Um, and then the Monterey area, I split time between my parents' house. My dad was in Monterey um, and he goes, you know, his family goes years and years back in Monterey. So getting to okay. hear more so around like the fishing industry there and oh. all the kind of experiences of the cultures that have kind of gone through the Monterey Bay area as the fishing industry grew has been, it was really cool experience. That's awesome. That's awesome. What'd your parents do when you were growing up? Um, my mom was in nonprofit management. So she oh. did that really my whole life. Um, it was kind of all I knew on her front. And then my dad was a land surveyor. I think he spent a little bit of time working um, in the parks system early mm -hmm. career, uh, but ultimately landed on being a land surveyor. And I think that was truly driven by his love for the outdoors that he got to be outside every day. Right. Well, and that's a great time. mix for where, where yeah. you, where you ended up. And uh, totally. we're going to, we're going to talk about all your experiences, but um, that's a, that's a really great mix. And, and so what, tell us what, a, a little bit about what you were like, what, what was, what was little Leah like growing up? What did you get? <laughs> what did you get into? Uh, Little Leah had a lot of attitude, I would say. My mom would oh, yeah. probably, uh, reiterate that as well. I was a spunky kid, but um, loved sports, really, really loved to just be outside. So growing up, I played soccer, I did tennis, I ran track and field. So I was really active in sports. And I think I just loved kind of the team aspect of being around other other people. Um, and aside from that, I grew up doing Girl Scouts. So kind of doing the summer camp thing, learning a lot about um, sort of the outdoors through that. And honestly, my brother was in Boy Scouts and I would tag along to his uh, camp experiences. Yeah, so I was trying to get all my outdoors time in via Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts as the tag along. <laughs> right. Well, I, and I, I apologize. I forgot to ask you if you had any brothers and sisters growing up. Yeah. 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 My brother, Chris, he actually is a Cal Poly alum as well. He was oh, cool. um, three years ahead of me, two years ahead of me. Um, and he graduated as an engineer from Cal Poly and now works in sort of the LA area for um, the gas company down there. And 
both of us reminisce on how great our time at Cal Poly was. And I think just being able to do it together for at least a little bit of the overlap was nice. As I transitioned to going to college, he was already, he was there. So it felt safe. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's so cool. We get so many siblings, um, whether in the major or not, it's, it's um, uh, together. It's uh, that's so cool. I, lo- I love hearing that, um, you know, of course, and having two kids who are, are, are somewhat similar in age, it's, it's fun to, fun to hear that, even though they're at the age right now where they're like, you know, fighting, fighting <laughs> constantly. And I have to, I right. feel like I'm they don't want to be around each other now, but they will later. I'm they sure. will later. That's what I tell them. That's what I tell them. I feel like I'm a referee right now, but uh, <laughs> yeah. so, so being uh, like, like I said, being, being somewhat close to, uh, to Cal Poly, obviously you knew about Cal Poly and then you had a brother who, who went to Cal Poly ahead of you. Um, and, and then you had two parents who were at, at least uh, somewhat related to the field. I'm just curious what that, what that journey was like in, in deciding on, um, on a major, obviously you have to declare in advance at Cal Poly. And so what was that journey like for you? I know it's difficult for an 18 year old to, to make that declaration, but did you always know you wanted to be, um, in our major? What, what was that like? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I remember when we applied, like having to make that decision and thinking, I have no idea. I have no idea what in the world, like, how would I know what to do? And I actually didn't find the major until later in college. I came in as an ag business major, Mm. um, started going through a lot of the prereq classes for that and just realized that it wasn't probably the fit for me, but I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do next. And it took a lot of kind of searching to figure out what else was Mm -hmm. out there. I truly didn't think that such a cool major was something you could do. Yeah. Uh, and so when I found it, I was like, this is great. I, this is what I love to do. And you can actually like get a degree in this. What an exciting opportunity. And I will say it took a little bit of selling to, to my mom to kind of help her make mm-hmm. the decision of where I wanted to go with it. Cause I was still, I mean, I was like 19 at the time, very sort of free spirited. I want to just do whatever. And she's like, let's come the plan before we go sort of jumping from one thing to the next. And so I think ultimately good because it made me really think through what do I value? What are the things I want out of my career? And what are the things that I really want to be my values as an adult that I can back on on my education? Um, And ultimately felt like it was really the best choice for me to kind of find that home at Cal Poly because I was kind of a floating around for a bit, I think in the first couple of years, really just right. in the prereqs and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And once I picked um, my major or picked changing majors, I really think I, I took off as a student. Yeah. My first two years, I was really struggling, I think, to be an effective student. And the last two years of college, I really got much better at finding and making the time to study, really finding things I was interested in and liked really engaging in. So I would say it was a great, great choice, but I didn't see it coming. Right. Picked at 18 what I wanted to do. Right. Of course. You know, our our listeners have heard me say this before, but I think a lot of times with with major transfers or or transfers from other universities, a lot of times they, they come in and and they have um, been through that process of kind of trying to find 
their spot and then they just kind of hit the ground running. And that's Mm -hmm. what I remember about you. I had no idea you were a major transfer because you really kind of hit the ground running and, and was, um, was involved in the major right away. And, um, and so it's, it's almost like you're, you're making up for lost time there. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, let, let's talk about a a little bit about that. Your, your time at Cal Poly, our, our current students, um, always like to, to hear a, a little bit about that. I know you were really involved and, and, and obviously, um, uh, you know, made the most out of your college experience. Um, but before we get into that professional development angle of it, um, is there a moment during your, your four years, um, in San Luis Obispo that, that really stands out or several moments or, or anything like that? Yeah. You know, so part of the reason I picked Cal Poly, um, when I was in high school, my father had been diagnosed with cancer. And so it was just, you know, a lot of family stuff. You're trying to kind of figure out what's that like and how are we going to manage it? And so I knew I didn't want to go too terribly far away because I just didn't quite know what the future held. There was a lot of comfort in knowing that my brother was going to be there. And so it was helpful. And then I was really fortunate that I was able to join the track team as a high jumper. And so my first year, it was kind of this exciting thing to also get to be an athlete at a school. I had always been an athlete in high school, and I just couldn't quite see myself closing that chapter yet. Um, It was sort of those combination of things that came together for me that was like, okay, this is where I want to be. And I don't think I realized how lucky I was to have made that choice until things kind of got more difficult with my father, where like I had this community of people at Cal Poly that could really support me during things that just were really unsteady at the time. And you're a freshman in college going through a life experience, trying to kind of navigate it through living in the dorms, learning how to study on your own. You don't have parents kind of over your shoulder, kind of coaching you along. Um, And so that I think was the first really big pivotal moment for me at Cal Poly. And then I will say the second one for me was I, um, I think it was my sophomore year. I got a job at Poly Escapes and I thought, well, I, you know, kind of want some walking around money on campus to go, you know, do things. I was probably spending way too much time at the sandwich factory. I remember that was like every day I was always there. And so I I figured I want to get a job to at least get a couple hours in. And I thought it would just be fun. And it turned into this really major moment in my academic career of meeting Nancy Clark, who was running the program at the time. And she was just helpful at developing me as a person and me as sort of a professional and meeting a lot of the friends that I still stay connected with now. Um, So that became sort of my, um, my social hub, I would say for how I kind of got connected across Cal Poly was through working for ASI and meeting people who were interested in the same sort of stuff. Um, So those are kind of two big, big moments for me at Cal Poly. I love it. You know, we we have such a um, a legacy with with ASI with, with our major. You know, obviously with Marcy Maloney, who who was yeah. uh, uh, executive director of ASI for or, or has been for many years, and um and and I don't know if you know, but she's um, she's uh, I'm not sure if she's retired or is retiring. And another former um, former student of ours is is has been uh, has been named uh, uh, the oh, uh, the new cool. executive director. And you know that 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 thread of professional development that fits right in with learn by doing that fits right in with everything that we do. And I think we've, we've had so many poly escapes and ASI students over the years. It's just, and you know, I came from uh, my backgrounds, campus recreation, Mm -hmm. and um, I just love the student professional.
professional development angle that um, that that these ASI uh, programs around the country, um, ours obviously in being couched and learn by doing, I think we have the best, um, but I'm, I'm biased, of <laughs> course, but, um, but, I, but I think it just really sets, I think it sets you up in such a way to, to really, uh, it, it's, it's almost like a, a maturation of, of sorts, right? It's almost like you get your first job yeah. out of the way, right? You know, right. would, would you, you agree with do. that? It, I absolutely. I mean, it was truly the learn by doing experience you know, I had gone into it with a passion for the outdoors, but no tangible experience, really, you know, at 18 of doing that, I had worked at like restaurants before little things, but right. into that and having that, it was like a safe space to start learning about like, how do I kind of understand the the concepts here? And how do I apply them in even mm-hmm. just like classes, stuff we would talk about in classes. And then suddenly I'm at work and I'm like, Oh, man, these are all kind of coming together as we're talking. I remember like I was in the accounting class that we had and we were having to work on a project. And then I came back into work that day and I got asked to do a project around like all of our inventory management. And I was like, oh my goodness, they're like overlapping completely, you know, perfectly. And it was just nice to kind of have those dual supporting experiences. And in some, it was just really fun that I got to do while on campus. Right. Well, I, I have to admit, Leah, that was the like last example that I thought you would possibly use uh, of accounting, right? But I yeah, love see. it. You know, I thought you were totally going to say Dr. G's like leadership and facilitation course. You yeah, know, I'm using those you, now. <laughs> you went to you went to accounting. I love that. That's but so I think great. Part of it was I remember taking the accounting class, and I was just not like a strong math person, and so it was a right. class I really had to work hard at to do yeah. well. And I remember thinking gosh, how much will I really use this? I don't know. And then literally that same week, I'm in this project at work where I'm using it. I was like, dang it. Right now, this is how I'm using it. It's happening. And so that realization that, well, there may be courses that aren't as as easy to kind of jump into, they end up having an application in some capacity that you end up using later. So it was sort of a a good wake-up call of Pay attention, stay focused, keep doing it. Right, right. Well, well, imagine me as a psychology major, right? And I'm in my I'm in my first real job, and my supervisor's like kept saying, "We've got to go over your budget." And I was like, (laughs) I had no earthly clue what a budget was. I mean, yeah, none. I I delayed for like a month until he finally was like, "Hey, we've got to sit down with this budget." And I was like. Well, I've got to admit to you, I really don't know what to do. And so he sat down, like basically taught me budgeting, you know, for yeah. for like an hour. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> but uh yeah, I love it. So so tell us, Leah, you know, our, our current students uh, love to hear uh, about the internship process and what internship, uh w- what internship you had coming out of um coming out of 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 Cal Poly and and what that experience was like, how you found it, all those sorts of things. So yeah. can you talk a little bit about your internship? Yeah, I was really lucky. So Dr. Hendricks was my advisor at the time. And I remember coming to him and saying, I have no idea. I do not know what to do. <laughs> you know, I, there's so many options out there and I wasn't sure if city recreation was something that I was interested in. I wasn't really sure if I wanted to do like program management or something and he had told me about um, Katie Jack. She was a major, uh, she had graduated like a year or two before us and had this incredible experience at a nonprofit she was working with doing her internship. And he said, why don't you just like reach out to her? You probably never met her before. Talk to her, just see 
you know, what she thinks. And it was with an organization called the Breckenridge Outdoor Education Center. And what they do is adaptive recreation for um, kids and adults with disabilities. And I thought, well, I've taken, you know, I took the ADA class. I'd taken a couple of classes, but again, it was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Will they take me? I have no idea, you know, but it truly is the learn by doing experience where it was like, well, just do it scared. It's fine. You'll figure it out, you know? And so I spoke with Katie. She raved about it. I applied to the program and um, was really lucky, got into the program in Breckenridge. And so I picked up and moved to Colorado. I'd always pictured myself as California girl, would always stay in California. But I thought, well, this is just a short stint. You know, I'll do this, this internship in Colorado. And I just fell in love. I loved the experience. We got to work. I mean, initially, I got to work with veterans who had had um, traumatic brain injuries or spinal cord injuries, teaching them how to ski. And it just, I think the grit that these people brought been through worse and I want to figure this out. And they would take so many falls on the mountain, but would still figure out how to get up, keep skiing and keep going. I think very quickly taught me like you can do more. It's really more about your mental limits of what you think you can or can't do. Um, And then throughout that winter, I was able to do a number of different things teaching. Like I taught a few um, visually impaired folks how to ski. I ended up teaching snowboard lessons, which was something I had snowboarded like once in my life. And they taught me how to snowboard. And they were like, okay, now you're going to figure out how to teach people to snowboard. I thought, am I really the right person for this? Taught many people to snowboard. And it was just amazing to really see how people got excited about the outdoor experience, particularly for those who in the adaptive recreation space sometimes are in a place where they feel really limited by what they're able to. They don't know yet that they can get back out to things they really love and experiencing the outdoors. We just have to figure out like, what's the right modification to make it work for you. And so I think that just drove my my love for Colorado and love for the outdoor industry home that we can find a way to get everyone outdoors in a way that feels safe and healthy and great for them as long as they have an interest in it. So it was a great internship experience. I would highly recommend it. They're still going. They have a summer program as well, where they do rafting and kayaking and biking all for adaptive rec. So would say five stars on the BOEC. They're amazing. I would love for anyone else to go through it because they're just a wonderful program out here in Colorado. Right. I love it. And, um, some, uh, you know, some uh, of all the places to land Breckenridge, Colorado is a pretty nice place to land pretty, outside yeah, of California. Pretty great place to end up. <laughs> <laughs> pretty gorgeous there. Um, so, so let's then talk about, um, the, the, the next few years, you know, you, you, you obviously were, were working in the nonprofit, uh, in the nonprofit realm, um, as with your internship and then you, um, and then you continued, you continued that mm-hmm. thread and, um, and, and started this, this, um, this, this passion and this, this desire to, to help others and, and to, to be, um, inclusive and, 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 and whatnot. So let's talk about, um, that early career journey with, um, with EF education first, and then the Denver foundation and, and what those experiences yeah. were like and, and, and what you took away from those. Yeah. So my first job after my internship was with EF Education First. They're a travel company. They help teachers take students around the world to experience new and different cultural experiences. And I thought, yeah, I love travel. That sounds like a really a good fit and a good first job. Um, I quickly realized I am not cut out for sales. Um, mm-hmm. I was doing more kind of helping to, to sell different programs. And 
It did, though, I think for me, it helped drive home the idea that culture matters and that the culture that you are a part of at any organization, regardless of the work that you're doing, for me, was where that was sort of my deal breaker. And it helped me recognize like I could be doing work that I was so, so on. If the culture was amazing, I would figure out how to thrive. But if the culture just didn't feel like a fit, then it became harder and harder to do well at whatever it was I was doing. Um, And so when I started searching for my next job, that was one of my priorities. I said, I want to figure out a place that feels like home, that feels like a good, good culture to be joining. And the work can be what it will be, but I want to join a culture of people that I'm going to spend this much time with that I enjoy. Um, And I found the Denver Foundation. And the Denver Foundation is Colorado's oldest community foundation and just an amazing organization. And they really kicked off my diversity and inclusion journey. It was a really safe space to start learning about the community I lived in, the unique kind of barriers to some of those community members that they're facing and how we can help remove those barriers with funding programs, with different neighborhood programs and things like that. And so I was with them for about four years and it was, it was a wonderful culture and it was a place where they said, we want you to grow and thrive. What's, what are you interested in? What do you want to do? Um, and I was kind of at that pivotal point again of like, well, what do I want to do? <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, and I realized I really loved working with people. I loved finding ways to work with people and help them kind of find their sweet spot. Um, I wanted to continue leaning into the conversations around inclusion and diversity. And so they helped me kind of create a role in human resources for them. It's not an area I ever saw myself going. I truly thought like I was going to end up coming out of Parks and Rec as like a park ranger or sports management focus. And here I was doing HR, but I realized that it was building on all of the components I learned around, like you learn by doing, you figure it out as you go, you build community with people. And so I kind of found this job that I got to make my own and fell into that with them for a number of years, which was wonderful, but I'd kind of reached a place where I wasn't probably going to grow a lot more, excuse me. And I ended up taking a role with the Denver Metro Chamber of Commerce as their HR director. Um, and that was another just big change, but really good change right. uh, for me. It was a it was a bigger organization. They have a statewide reach and they lean in a lot more on um, kind of different issues that community foundations just can't because of tax structures. Um, and so it was another learning opportunity to kind of figure out, okay, this job feels bigger than I know how to do, but do it scared. Let's figure it out. You know, right. the, I think the the years of being at Cal Poly with the learn by doing mentality helped me realize that I do well in that environment. If I, if I allow myself the space to learn as I go, I will do better. I don't have to come in knowing it all. Um, and that's what it was. I came into a role where I knew enough, but there was going to be a lot I was going to learn on the job. And I loved it. I mean, it gives you the flexibility then to lean into things you're really interested in um, and grow those skill sets where the job description might not have said it but you get to do it. Um, so that was great. And as you talk about your budgeting experience, that was one of my biggest takeaways. I was so scared going into it because I was going to be managing a million dollar budget. I'm like, who in the world is giving me the reins to this budget? What are they thinking? Oh my goodness. You know, but it was, it pushed me to learn how to budget, how to figure it out and how to really leverage resources um, to learn it. And I think that was where I, I lucked out in, in my education kind of journey was that I learned how to find resources to help me figure it out. Um, I got really good at 
at finding those resources to support my learning as I was going. And so that was a big win when I left that organization that I was like, I managed a budget. I finally did it. It came full circle, you know, my accounting class from years ago um, and just getting to kind of affect the culture and the careers of people at an organization was really neat. I loved it. I, I love that. And and I, I want to talk with you a little bit because we've been we we've had this thread that 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 in recent podcasts where um where where I've gotten to talk to to a lot of um our our alum who are working in human resources right and yeah. and this this shift that we've seen away from kind of that old model of human resources to one where employee experiences um, yeah. are, are a very big thing. And a lot of times those employee experiences are um, built around events, right? And, and, mm-hmm. um, and so obviously with special event planning, there's, there's this marriage there. But now with our recent emphasis on experience design and, and an understanding that we're all co-creating experiences in some way, um, I, I think it's really interesting underneath that human resources umbrella. Um, can mm-hmm. you speak to can you speak to that angle and, and yeah. what you're what you've experienced? It's honestly so accurate. I mean, even particularly now in my role at VF. Um, so, just quick background: VF Corporation is the parent company to a number of brands. So, think Vans, Timberland, the North Face, Smartwool, JanSport, Eagle Creek. I could go on. There's about 20 brands sort of under our umbrella but all outdoor brands. Um, So that kind of drew me to them. And then as I got into this role, I quickly realized that it is about building experiences for people. Um, You know, our role sits within the HR function of the whole organization, but we aren't specifically HR. So we're not doing the, the hiring, the firing, the payroll, but we are creating the employee experience. And for us, we are really trying to build a sense of belonging at our organization. So how do you help people experience this organization in a way that makes them feel like they belong as they are, they come hundred percent authentically as they are and that they can belong in this space and thrive in this space. Um, and you see it more and more that people, you know, when they talk about the new generation of talent, the new generation of talent no longer just wants to join a company that has ping pong tables and happy hours. They're looking for an experience. I mean, while it's super fun to have those, they're looking for an experience that aligns with their values and ways that they can really engage with a company more so than we've seen in generations past. Obviously, it's not exclusive, but it's a new trend that's really popping up with the new generation of talent that people want to experience their company in a different way than they have before. Um, at VF, we because we own so many brands, we're also thinking, how do people experience this brand? What is their experience of the North Face? What is their experience of Vans? And it's no longer about just wearing a branded shirt or branded shoes. It's do I experience them as, you know, fashion, culture, and purpose? So is it something I like to wear? Is it representative of the cultural things that I care about? And does it drive as a brand a messaging around a purpose that I can get behind? Um, And so it's been this really interesting pivot in the last couple of years, particularly to see that consumers want to experience a brand. They're not just wearing it anymore. So we are, we're creating these new things to ensure that everyone feels like they can experience it. Meaning about the outdoor industry, they've done so much to really try and create a space that is inclusive and equitable for people. We still obviously have room to grow in that, but it's important that we make it available and accessible to people. 
at any stage in their life, any socioeconomic level to figure out how they can experience the outdoors in a way that feels authentic to them. They feel safe and they feel supported, you know? So there's, it's one thing to say, well, parks are free. You can just go to a park. Yes. But there's also experiences of like, well, maybe if I go to that park and I don't feel like there's anyone that looks like me, that maybe I don't feel safe there. So how do we start creating experiences for people where they can feel safe in whatever way they want to recreate? You know, it could be a a city park. It could be going to Rocky Mountain National Park. It could be any number of things, but it is. It's really driving that experience piece in so many ways. So I would say, absolutely, you're seeing that happen more and more, that that is the the red thread that kind of covers a lot of different things, that the experience really drives the engagement. It drives people wanting to return to whatever that is and wanting to really bring more folks to the table. I love it. Well, thanks for sharing that. I, I want to I want to get um, more into the, the the global inclusion and and, and diversity angle. Obviously, over the last uh, year plus, um, not only have we had a global pandemic, but we've we've had um, uh, the the Black Lives Matter movement and the and um, the the social and and, and civil unrest um, surrounding yeah. surrounding that. We've had um, the um, Asian American and Pacific Islander hate and violence that that has yeah. been um, you, you know that that has been this this ugly thread that that has you know undergirded the uh the the pandemic as well and and so you know more and more uh, this the the issues surrounding inclusion and diversity just keep it, it seems like they keep magnifying yeah. and um you know you know I, I i heard um i'll 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 leave the the politician unnamed but um i heard um a, a politician recently say we we have to we have to punish these woke corporations who mm-hmm. are um who are doubling down on you know whatever right. made up made up um thing that the issue that 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 um he was talking about right you know and and it's just it's it it, it can be infuriating it, it can be it can seem like it's 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 giant it's too giant and it's too too big of an issue to to really tackle and to make progress mm-hmm. in but then i see corporations like vf corporation and i see people like you who i know care and who i know want to make a difference in the world and the fact that you have a title in this corporation <laughs> like your title of global inclusion and diversity manager just makes me um it makes me feel optimism for the future, you know? And yeah. so I wonder if you can just speak to that. I know that's kind of a lot of stuff that I just threw sure. at you there, but um, so what's it been like? Um, what's it been like? And, and what's your, what's your optimism for the future, I guess, is the question. Yeah. You know, I think the issues have been here for a long time. I think the last year it really came to a head and it started to um, create conversations that just, people weren't necessarily having or weren't comfortable having yet. And it came to a place where you couldn't ignore it anymore, Um, which it was a really unfortunate turn of events to bring us to that place. But to see the changes that are coming from it, that's encouraging to me to see that, you know, people are engaging in the conversation that maybe haven't before, or they're engaging in a different way is really, really encouraging Um, You know, for VF, we've definitely been doing this work for a number of years. And like you said, I'm lucky to have a title to do this because to me, when you see companies where they have full-time staff dedicated to this work, 
that shows you where their values lie. It shows you that they see this as a a thing they want to invest in and ensure they have people able to really do it. Um, you know, as companies scale up, certainly they have sort of part-time, you know, folks that will do it as a passion project as they're they're getting into this work. But my hope is that you see them come to a place where they have a full-time headcount dedicated to it. They have budget dollars dedicated to it because the reality is it's it's another slice of the business. It's not, it's not a nice to have anymore. It's a need to have. Um, because the industry continues to trend this direction where people, they have questions, they want to know what you think, and they want to know, um, you know, what are the things that really matter to you as an organization. And so I think the the piece that in the beginning, I was certainly nervous about was seeing so many organizations come out with pledges and statements around their support for Black Lives Matter, or their support for the AAPI community, or whoever it may be. Um but they weren't ready yet to really put actions behind it. They didn't quite know what the the strategy behind it was. Um, and so I was a little nervous when it first came out and you were seeing so many folks with, with, with thoughts on it that it was like, I'm so glad you're speaking up, but I really hope you have a plan or you're coming up with a plan because it almost does us more damage if we say, I care about this thing and then don't really do much since then. Um, and so VF really, you know, we'd been working on this, but it allowed us the opportunity to accelerate the work and to double down on things where we just, you know, had kind of gotten so many sort of slices of the business kind of moving in different directions. And so we've been able to create, you know, we have a council for advancing racial equity within VF, where we have top leaders across the organization globally having conversations around what do we need to do and what are the things that we're missing to create a truly equitable space uh, for our workforce? And so they're coming up with programs around mentorship. They're coming up with programs around representation, um, really leaning in on data and metrics. Like, do we know what our population looks like? Do we know where our gaps are and where we can really help make a difference in the ways that we engage with community, the ways that we engage with our associates? Um, particularly like around employee resource groups. Uh, for those of you that don't know what those are, they're kind of groups that are for different, particularly they tend to be around cultural groups. So you might have a, an African-American employee resource group, an Asian-American employee resource group, but you also see disability resource groups, veterans resource groups. Um, and so one, that helps create community for them. But if you come in and you feel like, am I the only one? You start to find these people that you can connect with and relate to that you can really feel like, you're supported by. Um, but for us, it was, okay, how do we listen and really figure out what do they need and how do we support them? Because not only are you doing your job, but there's repeated just trauma this year of a pandemic. And like you said, social unrest that it's really hard to separate. You are still the person outside of work that's going to be carrying whatever is kind of happening to you or to your community inside of work. And so for us, it was also figuring out how do we support them? How do we make sure that they feel supported, welcome, and safe um, to truly participate as, as their full selves at work. Um, so it's been it's been a lot this year and a huge learning curve, I think, for me, but I've loved it. It's been great to, to have the opportunity to lean into areas I just hadn't gotten to before. Well, I love it. And I, I appreciate you, um, you sharing your story with us today. And um, like I like I started this this last piece off with, um, it, knowing that there are people like you out there in in the corporate world, um, really trying to make a difference, and and um, 
And, you know, like I said, having a title that, that speaks to making that difference. I mean, that, that, that speaks volumes to me and that, that, uh, that gives me hope for the future. Um, because, um, I, I do think that we can change the systems that have been in place that have, mm-hmm. um, that have kept, um, that have, that have, um, you know, disenfranchised and, 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 um, and devalued um, people for, for many, many years in this country. And, um, you know, it's time that we, that we finally start. It's like, it's like you said, it's, these aren't new issues, but these are issues that have been brought up, um, brought back up to the forefront. And, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's, it's a good thing. And, and I think it's something that, that, um, is uh gives me hope for for a better world here in this country yeah. and um one that that our little ones will hopefully uh inherit you know inherit from us that that will be better than than that what we currently have and um Definitely. and so on that note i just want to thank you so much and um and uh, I know you're you're taking uh, taking time out of your busy day, and um, I know you've got some exciting things on the uh, on the forefront. Um, and yeah. uh, so I wish you all the best along those lines, and um, just really appreciate you taking the time today. Of course, thank you. I, I love reliving my Cal Poly journey, so thank you. <laughs> of course, thank you. Take care, Leah. All right, you too.